Today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1 with All Care Pharmacy. Discover a healthcare team that's always here for you at All Care Pharmacy, Ireland's largest community pharmacy network. Today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1. Congestion charges, cheaper public transport, higher car parking fees. There's some of the car reduction measures being considered here to help us meet our climate targets of reducing transport emissions by 50% by 2030, which is close approaching. Now, we know that these and further policies have been rolled out in cities around the world. But how do other European cities manage their traffic and encourage people to leave their cars at home and jump on public transport or take the bus? Bike or walk. In a moment, we'll hear from Madrid and Oslo. But first, we're going to go to London and to George Parker, political editor with the Financial Times. Good morning, George. Morning. Not the usual subject we chat about when we speak to you on the programme. But we wanted to talk to you about the congestion charge because London was an early adopter of that system. Just tell us about the fees that apply and how it works. Well, the London charge was set up in 2003 by the Mayor of London at the time, Ken Livingstone. And, you know, in my view, it was one of the bravest political decisions um, that politicians made, actually, because the technology was untested. It had never been done on such a huge scale. Um, but in my view, at least, I think it's been a great success. So the way it operates now is that um, there's a, quite a large area of central London, which is within the zone. You have to pay £15 flat charge to enter the zone um, between 7 o'clock in the morning and 6 p.m. on weekdays. Um, and also on Saturday and Sunday, sort of, I think it's 12 till 6. So 15 quid a day to come in. And what it's essentially done is it's dissuaded people from driving their cars into central London. And it's also raised quite a lot of money to be ploughed back into public transport, particularly on, onto the buses. And has it been? Has it gone back into public transport and has that improved? It has. So um, in the first, I'm not the most up-to-date figures, but in the first 10 years, the charge raised over a billion pounds for public transport. Most of that was put back into buses. So there was certainly a massive increase in the regularity of buses that accompanied the congestion charge. And of course, that was one of the ways it was sold to Londoners. Um, and at the time, it was vastly you know, controversial. Um, Ken Livingstone was told that it would be a disaster, the technology wouldn't work, he wouldn't get re-elected as mayor of London because people would hate it so much. In fact, rather the opposite happened. Um, people found that uh, getting around central London was a lot easier. Buses weren't stuck in perpetual traffic jams. And overall, it was deemed to have been a great success. And certainly there's been no debate about, um, about reversing it since then. And now you have this thing, the ultra low emission zone that started in 2019. How does that work? Yes, that, that operates on a slightly different basis. That targets dirty vehicles, particularly diesel cars, um, which fail to meet modern EU standards. That was controversial as well because um, it meant that particularly poorer people who had older cars were, were facing the, the prospect of having to drive every time they left the house. In fact, my my old um, diesel banger uh, was covered covered by this, and literally every time I switched on the ignition and drove to the end of my street, which is where the charge applied, I would have been hit with the charge. Um, I've, I've subsequently got rid of that car and got a, a cleaner one. Ah, so it, so has it works. Been, it has caused, it has worked. It's caused some disruption to people. I think there was some help given to people um, to, to trade in their old cars as well. Um, but nevertheless, I think that's uh, generally seen as quite an important breakthrough because that's intended to target air quality, which in London has been quite, quite poor. Now, under consideration by the government here, George, is a move to increase the number of pedestrianised zones in urban areas. But I know in London, it's also being tried low traffic neighbourhoods in order to boost cycling, reduce car use and make roads ultimately safer for people to uh, actively commute. How has that been working? Well, it depends uh, a bit on, what, on, your, on your perspective. From my 
selfish point of view, I cycle quite often into work um, and I come along with some of these roads which used to have a lot of traffic on them and are now very, very quiet indeed. So for a, from a cyclist point of view, it's fantastic also for pedestrians as well. If you live in some of the streets which have been designated as low traffic streets where the streets have been blocked up, well, you'll, you might have quite a quieter life. But neighbouring streets have often been turned into rat runs. So that's where it's been controversial. But people have complained that traffic's just been diverted onto the neighbouring streets and causing snarl-ups there. They've been rushed through. They were, they were introduced basically during the time of COVID when you didn't need to go through such protracted planning processes. But from the point of view of cycling around London, especially, it's been a great, uh, great step forward. And then Transport for London is looking at introducing this new charge. So this would be a smart road user pricing system that would be based on the distance that you've travelled, George, wouldn't it? Is, is it expected or anticipated that that would replace the congestion fee? I don't know. I think that's a sort of a fairly early stage. I mean, there's a danger, I think, if you keep adding new schemes on top of old schemes or the, the people are trying to get around London get confused. I mean, the congestion charge has a massive amount of public consent. Um, whether you can actually do it based on distance travelled, I think that's probably slightly further off. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we've got a, a, a mayoral election coming up, so no, that will be very much at the heart of that at the, at the time. So who drives into London now, into the city centre? Just the privileged few or do they even bother? Uh, the privileged few are able to drive in. You get some people working in the gig economy, of course, who are sort of doing deliveries, and that's one of the things that has increased um, since this, this was introduced. But generally, the idea of driving into central London, which is something I would have done quite regularly in the past, is something most people would never, never even consider anymore. Not only are you going to get clobbered by the £15 a day congestion charge, but even if you get into central London, you're going to get really hammered by parking charges, which are sky high in central London as well. And of course, in London, we do have one of the best public transport systems in the world as well. So you'd have to be fairly crazy, I think, to willingly drive your car in central London now. Well, that's key, isn't it? You don't need to drive into central London. You're covered with the public transport. Yeah, I mean, London, you know, for over a century now has had, um, you know, good, good tube, but also more people in London use the buses than, than the London Underground. But the fact that buses can actually now move around central London has increased their usage as well. So all in all, you know, it's been a pretty much a... Pretty, pretty much a successful experiment here. And as I said, I mean, at the time it was introduced, I think only Singapore really had done, done it and on a much smaller scale. Yeah. And I think London is still by far and away the biggest city in the world to operate this kind of scheme. So, um, yeah, I think generally most people would regard it as having been a success here. George, nice to talk to you about the traffic. We we'll, might go back to politics yeah. the next time. <laughs> Let's go to Spain now. And I'm joined by Sarah Morris, a Madrid-based journalist. Sarah, thank you for joining us on this this morning. So air pollution uh, in Madrid, how big of a problem is that and how much of a role does traffic have to play? Oh, well, it's a huge problem uh, in Madrid, the air pollution, and in Barcelona, and in an area just outside Barcelona, an industrial zone. And to such an extent, in fact, that the European Court of Justice actually said uh, that the uh, citizens that were finding their uh, quality of air had been systematically um, below the qualities demanded of the EU from 2010 to 2018. Uh, so it's a huge uh, problem. People are breathing in um, above uh, 40 micrograms uh, per cubic metre uh, of nitrogen dioxide, and, and that's well above the limits uh, that are recommended. And of course, uh, that has knock-on effects for people when uh, uh, they suffer from asthma or any form of allergies in what is say, a very dry city like uh, Madrid. Mm-hmm. And what sort of traffic restrictions 
restrictions are in place now? Well, basically, um, the, the idea in Spain has been at a local level creeping in in cities like Madrid and Barcelona, but even in smaller towns, is not to um, have the system in London where people pay to drive into the centre. It's basically been a sticker system. Your car gets ranked and gets a sticker depending on how polluting it is. If it's very polluting, then it can't drive into the central streets uh, of a city uh, like Madrid. Um, but if it's an electric vehicle, it can. So it's a system designed to get people into electric vehicles and uh, to get people to trade in their cars. And um, uh, to, to be able to, one of the conclusions um, from the studies is that people are driving around cities a lot of the time trying to park, and that creates a lot of the uh, pollution from cars. Mm -hmm. And so in some cases, people are, said, are told, well, you can, because of your car, drive into the city, but you have to park in a public car park. You can't be doing that process of, and, of driving around. And, and Sarah, who's checking the stickers? Uh, well, basically, there's all sorts of radar systems. Uh, when this first came in, in fact, uh, people were told, look, there'll be a, p a time period. Because this came in very controversially in about 2018. And it was the Manuela Carmena, the Madrid mayor, who got people very hot under the collar about this. A lot of people, conservatives, uh, uh, on the right of the political spectrum said this was outrageous, that they should be able to go in, in um, to their own city in their cars and they shouldn't be made to, to, to sell their cars and get expensive new cars. Um, so she really fought the battle and she initially said look uh, nobody will get fined initially we just want you to uh, get the message well, until people adjust to this uh, we won't be hitting them with fines um, but but yes there are radar systems and the police uh, can um, tell and if they catch you it can be very expensive indeed. And when we think back to last summer temperatures were very high in Spain Sarah so how much political unity is there around addressing climate change issues or is it being driven solely by younger voters? I think the older voter now has definitely got the message because we saw really record temperatures this summer and uh, the uh, meteorologists and the weather forecasters, all the uh, climate experts are saying basically since the 1980s, uh, Spain is getting almost a month extra on its summer. And all that is leading really to actual actual deaths. Uh, we saw uh, one public institute say that hot heat wave uh, that swept uh, through Western Europe and hit Spain particularly uh, severely, that that caused 4,500 deaths. These are people who are vulnerable in many cases. Uh, they may have a heart attack. Uh, they may have a, uh, a condition brought on through the hot temperatures. And all of that's being linked to climate change. And so with these, um, the message is definitely coming through mm -hmm. to people. Uh, we have all these uh, stations set up uh, through Madrid that measure uh, the levels of uh, the air pollution. And uh, for the first time, I think last year, they actually came below the norms. Uh, that's good news. And so many people in Madrid say it is actually working. All right, Sarah, thank you very much for joining us from Spain. To Oslo now and Lars Bavanger, who's a Norwegian journalist. Lars, thank you very much for joining us. When it comes to Oslo, what traffic emission policies are in place there for drivers who want to head into the city? Well, if you want to drive a car in Oslo city centre, it's going to be quite expensive. First of all, because there's uh, toll roads around the the uh, city, so it's actually more expensive to drive a car than to get public transport in. 
Um, and secondly, it's very expensive to park if you can find a parking space because they're 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 basically getting rid of parking spaces rather than building new ones. So you're looking at something around seven seven pound uh, seven euro seven fifty uh, for for city centre parking for for, for, for one hour. Is it? For one hour, yes, sorry. Yeah, for one hour. And tell me, Lars, uh, do you need to drive into the city centre? How is the public transport? Because as we're talking to our correspondent in London and, and in Madrid, people are texting the programme saying, that's fine, they have the infrastructure in order to get people out of their cars and onto the buses and the trains. Do you have good public transport in Oslo? Yes, you do. And uh, much thanks to the uh, the toll roads as well. You don't talk, call it congestion charging in Norway because it was never introduced as such. So it was introduced as a way to finance new infrastructure projects. So they put a lot of uh, car or well, major roads, thoroughfares in tunnels, so got rid of traffic that way, but also ploughed most of the income from the toll roads into public transport and cycle lanes as well. So as a result, you have got very good Uh, public transport alternatives in Oslo. So you don't really need to take the car in unless you have elderly relatives who can't walk very far or whether you're, uh, if you're driving a delivery truck, say. And what's the plan then looking down the line for Norway? What national policies are being discussed to uh, address uh, cars and pollution further? Well, Norway is very, very high up on EV take-up through various incentives. There's nearly 90% of all new cars sold across Norway, across the whole country, are now fully EV. But also, uh, looking at Oslo, the the city council there are are considering making the city centre completely car-free or fossil fuel car-free by 2025. So they're looking at uh, legislation to introduce that. So they're basically trying to make Oslo less and less, uh, uh, well, try to ban cars more or less outright from the city centre and make sure that there are other alternatives Mm -hmm. so most people can get around as as they want. But Lars, you've got a government in Norway with ambitious targets in cutting emissions, but also Norway is one of the biggest oil and gas producers in the world. This is true. This is a massive paradox, of course, that everyone in Norway uh, is aware of. Norway is one of the largest oil and gas exporters in the world, uh, and export is the key word here. So if you look at the uh, CO2 emissions, uh, normally you look at the CO2 emissions within a country. So in Norway, where uh, you have a lot of hydroelectric power, emissions are relatively low because all of the oil and gas is exported. But if you include the emissions from all that oil and gas, which is burned somewhere on the planet, uh, the, the uh, emissions of Norway are, are relatively high on a global scale. So that, that's, a, that's a, um, a paradox that will remain for as long as uh, the Norwegian state decides to carry on uh, with fossil fuel production. Lars Bavanger in Norway, thank you for joining us. Coming up next, Harry Barry and Anne-Marie Craven tell us how to heal a broken heart. That's after this. Today with Clareburn. Listen back on the RTE Radio Player app.